We're going to be out of the book of Proverbs today, so I thought we would just give a little general background. You know, most of you are familiar with Proverbs, but some of you probably aren't. And so let's read this together, because this is the whole theme of Proverbs here, right in the first seven verses of, of the book of Proverbs. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So here we have the theme of all of Proverbs and the, the verse 7 being the key that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Without the fear of the Lord, you could just close the book and be done because you're not really going to gain any wisdom unless you have the Lord in view. And then we're going to be in chapter 4, 20, verses 20 through 27, but there's one other thing I wanted to share in the next slide here. And this is... Uh, also in, our, in the beginning of chapter 4, that we're not going to be looking at these verses today, but I, I thought this was beautiful, and I wanted to encourage the fathers in the room today with these words as well. So, wisdom is to be passed down in the families of Christians. And then this is Solomon uh, writing here, When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother. He taught me, and he said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. And so, um, I'm wondering in the room like this, uh, was your father leading you in the ways of the Lord? And then for you who are fathers in the room, have you led your children in the Lord? And uh, I just love to think about my own father and how he led me, and I am so thankful for that. And I just, uh, I, I would say, you know, mothers and grandmothers also have a big impact. And but I just, I just know that uh, it's the responsibility of the fathers in the home. And so don't, don't make your wife be the one to say, "Let's go to church." You know, you be the one as the father, the leader in your home. And, and don't make your wife say it's time to pray or read the God's Word. It should be the man in the home. And I wanted to just uh, have my mom step up. Can you stand up a minute, Mom? Mom's 91, and I uh, still have my mom with me. <clears throat> and I know she wouldn't really approve of that, but I wanted to just honor my mother because to this day, my mother is still leading me. I'm 60 years old. I'm not done being mothered in a sense. I'm, I'm still being led. And so, uh, yeah, I get emotional when I think about my father uh, and just the impact he had on me. He was so passionate for the Lord. And even, uh, interestingly, we all sing a little different, but he sang out, and I love to sing out. And, and I tell people, I learned to sing standing next to him. I never went to a school to learn how to sing, but I stood next to my father. And I knew it was coming from his heart. And that's why it had such an impact on me. So let's open with prayer and then we'll get into our scripture for today. Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful 
for our earthly fathers who instructed us in the way to follow you, knowing that this is really what life is about when we, when we live for you, Lord. And we know that we have so many gifts and blessings, but if we don't have you, Lord, we have nothing. And everything else is meaningless. So, Lord, I just pray your blessing now as we go through your word. Lord, lead us and teach us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this is our very first verse. You can open your Bibles to uh, Proverbs 4, verse 20 here. And I'll just go verse by verse. And on the bulletin, on the back of the bulletin, I didn't have any fill-in blanks, but you can kind of help follow along there. And uh, I put this on the top as kind of what they like to call the big idea. God's Word will help us guard our hearts and keep us on the path of life. So that's kind of the the general uh, big idea of the whole message today. So here's our first verse. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. And so we first, we notice right off that this is a a term like of endearment, you know, my son, um, which is a beautiful thing that God is reaching out to us in a loving way. And then he says, be attentive. So listen closely. Um, it's good for just to kind of, you know, I think as we go through things to remind ourselves of what these words mean. And then even incline your ear, okay? Um, I know in my life, uh, we sang about his erring child, and many of you know my stories, and that was my story. I was raised in a Christian home, but I erred from the Lord. I I rebelled against the Lord. And, but, I, I think it's good for us to say, are you inclined to listen to God? Do you have that desire? And so there should be a willingness, right, in, in us. And if, if, if your heart is hard, uh, ask the Lord to soften your heart and to look at your heart today. But we should be inclined to hear what God wants to say today. And then in our next verse we read, let them not escape from your sight, and keep them within your heart. And so, I, I have uh, I used my ESV study Bible, and so I made references here to that. And I would just encourage you, if you don't have a study Bible, man, is it helpful to to dig in deeper into God's Word? And commentaries are so many tools we have today. But I liked what the ESV study Bible had here. It said. Uh, The heart refers to the center of one's inner life and orientation to God from which a person does all thinking, feeling, and choosing. And so another word we could use for keep them within your heart, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that more later, but in a sense to guard our hearts. And so the next slide we come to here is... uh, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. And one thing as I study the Word and I'm learning more about studying, I'm just learning that uh, it's good to ask questions. And so we could so quickly just read the Word without really asking questions. But Because when we think about life, we think, well, the heart's beating, we're breathing, you know, but there's so much more to life. And I want to bring that out in, in the next... Uh, 
number of slides here. What kind of life or what kind of healing are we talking about in Scripture here? Uh, this, this verse, interestingly, we are very familiar with it, most of us. Uh, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, here we see that sin and death are connected, but life and Jesus are connected. And this is, uh, is going to be a point that I really want to drive home today, is that without Jesus there is no life. I should follow along on the side of my notes to see if I'm, uh, sometimes I, I'm running too fast here and I want to make sure I uh, catch everything here. And so, this is another verse about life. And look at this. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then we read this verse as well. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And so, it's so important, you know, with Proverbs, there's a danger of just studying Proverbs for moral improvement. We're not about being, that's not what we're about here. And we'll get into that more in the text today. But we're about being changed from the inside out. And that takes Jesus uh, to do that. We can't do that without Jesus. And so the next, the, the last, second part of that verse was talking about healing to all our flesh. And here I'm believing it's talking about spiritual healing, even though we know that God does heal miraculously uh, of different things, of, of diseases and, and ailments. But here I believe we're talking about spiritual healing. And this verse out of, that David wrote, Psalm 103, verse 3 says, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. And so here we see, too, that it's talking about spiritual healing. And we'll read this verse together. And this verse has just kind of a description of what it's like when we have sin in our life that's unconfessed. And David wrote this here, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. And here he describes what it's like. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So, I'm making the point there's no life without Jesus. So it just makes sense at this point. Just stop. I know most of you, but there's some uh, I don't know. And I just need to make sure that I know where everybody is at with Jesus. And so, it's good for us to just pause here and for each person to reflect on that. And I would say, as you know, the Gospel story that Jesus created a perfect world, right? We know that from Genesis. And it, wasn't, it was in chapter 3 that sin came into the world. And so, we had a perfect world. Man chose to sin. Adam chose to sin. And collectively, we all sinned in Adam. 
And so now we have a problem in that there's a penalty. Uh, the wrath of God remains on sinners and there's a destiny for sinners and that is hell for those who are not in Christ Jesus. And so if anyone here today feels the Lord tugging at their heart and they have not accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, I just encourage you to talk to me afterwards or just bow your head at some point during the service and, and, and make that step. We know that 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So take that step today and don't let uh, uh, even uh, this moment you could bow your head and, and, and say that prayer and invite Jesus into your heart. Otherwise, we could just stop here if we don't have that because, we're, like I said, it's not about moral improvement. We want God to change us from the inside out. Here we go with, uh, I think, the key verse. It's not directly in the middle, but close of the seven verses. And, and so we're going to spend some time on this verse. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Uh, what a beautiful verse. And I was reading this book uh, called uh, Note to Self by Joe Thorne. I highly recommend that. It's, I think it's in the recommended reading out here. And it's like a devotional, but so hard-hitting each uh, of his devotionals are. And this one I wanted to read because this is what I think is, helps describe what this verse is talking about. You could say another way to say it would be guard your heart with all vigilance. So he writes here, to keep your heart means that your focus and work is on maintaining communion with God and pursuing the transformation that only God can accomplish in you. It is not performance-based religion, nor the moral improvement of your life, but the ongoing work of cultivating love for God and hatred for sin. So I want to spend a little time talking about that. How do we cultivate our love for God? If you feel sometimes you're, you're concerned about your heart is cold, I think we've all been there at times. Uh, you know, what, what tools do we have, as it were, to cultivate our love for God? And then we'll be spending some time talking also about a hatred for sin. And so I came, this list, uh, uh, I came up with this list, and I think that this personally has helped me, and I think this is something to think about for each one of us. And so I put down for number one here, Regular worship and singing. And we're not talking just about in church. Later on, we're talking about attending public worship. Okay, So I think, do you worship God on your own? Um, do you sing to Him? And then so all of us maybe feel we can sing you know, at different levels, and some of us, we love to sing more, and we can sing without accompaniment. And, but others, you know, do you have tapes, or do you listen to the radio? When there's a worship song, do you enter into worship? If you want to love Him more, it has to get just be more than just head knowledge. We have to get it into, into our hearts, right? And so for me personally, there's nothing that helps me more get the truth of God from just head knowledge into my heart more than when I'm singing to Him. And I, I love to sing to the Lord when I'm by myself. That's kind of my thing. Um, 
and I'm fortunate to be by myself in work in different times where I can, and sometimes I'm whistling a song, but I know the words, and the words are speaking to me. Um, and that's, that's how we cultivate this love for God. Number two, a disciplined practice of prayer. And prayer is a challenge because sometimes our prayers seem dry and they're hard to, especially when we're by ourselves, it's hard to keep our focus and our mind wanders. And, um, but this is, uh, there's times when we're hurting that prayer is very, uh, I would say, heart-driven because our hearts are tender, right? When we're going through trials, nothing brings, brings our hearts uh, more in tune with the Lord than when we're going through trials. And another way you could do this is pray with somebody else. My mom and I, when I visit her almost every Sunday, we always pray together. And sometimes she prays, sometimes I do. We take turns. And what a beautiful thing to pray with someone who you love, who you have a, a confidence that you can be yourself and, and pray with someone. So make that a, a way to help cultivate your love for God. And number three, a daily reading and meditating on God's Word. And so, as I've shared before, um, having some tools to help you dig into God's Word is the biggest thing I think I've learned in the last probably 10 years. And, and a part of it has been driven by being willing to get up in front of people and talk or, or lead the men's study. That, that you just have to dig deeper to have something to say and to really know what you're talking about. So try uh, using tools nowadays. I don't do anything on the computer and online, but you know there's software and, and there's some even free... Uh, I think it's blueletter.com. I'm not sure. Uh, Tom Anderson would know. Uh, but, uh, but anyways, uh, he recommended that one. And uh, those are really helpful tools to dig into God's Word. God's Word is so spectacular. This is why I'm convinced that even someone like me can bring the Word because it's really the Word. It's not me, right? And so it's not the spokesperson. And even as great as pastor is at preaching, if he didn't have the Bible... Uh, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be great. It wouldn't be. It would be just self-help, like everybody else. <laughs> and so, um, anyways, uh, attending public worship. Wow, this is so. This is something my parents, my mom. You'll see when this service is over, she's gonna head bolt right out the door, and you wonder why is she doing that. She's going to her church because it's it starts at a little later time, and then she goes to church in the evening. You see. So three times today, she's going to church. Not because she has to, but because she loves it. And this is how my parents were. This is a, you know, sometimes it's how they lead by example, right? And so uh, I think some people that struggle, it's, you know, as a leader in this church, it's sad to see that they don't attend church very regularly. And I, and I, would, I, I lovingly want to say to them, if you want to cultivate your love for God and grow, um, be, be a regular attender. And uh, it's, it, it, we don't have to be you know, uh, pharisaical about it if we miss a service, but I think that we help cultivate our love for God that way. And then uh, the last one is partaking in the Lord's Supper. Think about when you once a month you just meditate on what God did for you personally and you think about the cost, Right? And you think about the joy of having your sins forgiven. And so 
we're just so blessed to have that as a, as a help for cultivating our love for God. And so next here, <clears throat> I ask this question. We're going to be t- spending a little time talking about our sin. And interestingly, this text we'll see, the, re- the last part of the verses, um, will be taking us right there to, to talk about our sin in different areas. And so the writer had this in view as well. And this second part of the verse 23 is for talking about guarding our heart because from it flow the springs of life. And so ESV Study Bible had here, wisdom's presence in the heart is worth guarding because out of the heart flow all the thoughts and words and choices of a person's life. This is important to remember. That's, and we'll see some scriptures that will bear that out. Um, here in Mark we read, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a person. So here it's clear to see what comes out of the heart is what defiles me. And that's why it's so important that we look at our hearts here today. So the next thought as I was studying, uh, do I know my heart? Right? If you're going to guard your heart, uh, isn't it make sense that you have to know what's in your heart? And we know that Scripture says that our heart is deceitful, which means that sometimes it's not clear or sometimes we're even blinded to, to not even to be able to see our hearts. And so uh, David wrote this. He says, uh, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I was thinking, did God really need to search His heart? No, God sees our hearts, right? But I think for us it's good to say a prayer like this because we, we need to have an attitude of wanting to be searched, right? We need to have this attitude, Lord, uh, help me and help me to look in my heart. <clears throat> and then uh, I ask another question here. Do I know my weak points? And do I know the sins that drag me down? So if we are to know our hearts, um, doesn't it make sense that we need to know uh, where are our weak points? And, and my weak point may not be your weak point, right? Uh, um, some sins will be common among us and other sins not so much maybe. And I try to always think of examples when I preach. So I thought of you know, one example that I've shared before uh, amongst you guys is that I was addicted to alcohol in my life when I was younger. And, um, and so it's a weak point for me. And so I, I don't touch a drop. And by God's grace, it's been, uh, was in my early 20s and I'm almost 60 so I haven't touched a drop since then. But because I know it's a weak point, it's, it's a danger. It's a danger for me. And so I don't... I don't but, but that may not be for you. And there may be nothing wrong with you having a glass of wine or a beer. And so, but, but I think it's good for each person to look at their own weaknesses. And I thought, well, what's a more current weakness that I, that I might 
be focused on. And one of the things that I want to be on and guard in my own heart is pride. And for me, um, part of it can be in pride in what I've accomplished or, you know, in business or, um, and so, or even being involved in the church. It's sad to say that we can be prideful of, uh, of being an elder or being a leader in the church. And so, I just am on guard in my heart and I know my fellow elders know this and we talk about this amongst ourselves, just the dangers uh, that we need to be careful about, right? And so I would just say, even through this message, or I know many times when pastor preaches, right, all of a sudden he's talking about a certain sin and, and you feel convicted. And if this is a weak point of yours, then maybe it's good to write it down and be focused on it. And, and I think it's helpful sometimes to tell somebody else. And uh, usually there's other people that know it. I think if, if I have a weakness, my wife knows it for sure because the people that are closest to you, they know your weaknesses, right? And so, uh, but let's, let's uh, be uh, focused. If we're going to guard our heart, we need to know our weak points and we need to be in prayer about it and we need to look up verses that pertain to that weakness. There are, you know, there are many verses in the Bible that talk about Pride, right? God's opposed, opposed to the proud and He gives grace to the humble. And so use God's Word to help you and use prayer. Ask Him to help you. And so uh, this question, can we keep or guard our hearts? And I think it's important to remember that we can only uh, do this with God's Word and the help of the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to make sure that in this point or in if you, ever, if you feel convicted of sin in any part of the message today, I don't want you to, to leave you leaving the building with that, but I want you to go to the cross and to confess that sin and, and uh, in a sense, leave it at the cross so you don't have to leave a feeling guilty and heavy. That's, why, that's, that's the Gospel, right? The Gospel's not just for when we come to know the Lord, but we continue to go to the cross. And so... We need God's Word desperately, and, and we need the Holy Spirit to, uh, to, give it, to help us with conviction. <clears throat> so, I tried to come up with a, a name, of three doors for sin or three gates for sin. This is where the text is going to take us. If you look in your bulletins, you can see we're going to talk about the mouth, the eyes, and the feet. And there's so much, you know, that we could talk about in these areas, but I'm going to just kind of stick with the text and, and then I'm going to add a few other verses to build that out. But interestingly, that when the writer was writing about guarding our heart, he gave us these to, to put on our watch. Uh, and so I want to talk about those. My mouth, uh, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. <clears throat> so here's another verse that's kind of saying the same thing a little differently. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. In Ephesians 4.29 and this was, this was real challenging for me as, as I studied this because I could see there was so much sin in my life and, 
in some of these things. And I, I have a book that's also out there called Respectable Sins uh, by Jerry Bridges. And, and sometimes we've condensed sins to drinking, smoking, going with girls that do, or something like that, okay? You know? Uh, but boy, sin is so much more, right? And, and I think dangerously, we've, we've made sins adultery, you know? I mean, uh, just kind of these... But, but listen to this list that Jerry Bridges uh, writes uh, in this book, Respectable Sins. And I'm going to use quite a bit of his uh, material talking about the tongue or the mouth. He says, in this category, we must include gossip, lying, slander, critical speech, even when true, harsh words, insults, sarcasm, and ridicule, any speech that tends to tear down another person, either someone we are talking about or someone we are talking to is sinful speech. And then uh, I have from his book, just, I'm going to just take three definitions of uh, these three areas. And I felt very convicted when I, when I read these this week. And so I'm just going to read this through. I don't have it on the overhead. So the first one is gossip. And gossip is spreading the spreading of unfavorable information about someone else, even if that information is true. However, gossip is often based on rumor, which makes the sin even worse. And another point about gossip is we can be just as guilty if we listen to it. I think we need to be careful to try to cut that off if somebody's going to you know, share gossip with you. It's the job of the listener to pull away from that. I heard a pastor say once, and I don't think I would be this blunt, but he would he said, "Is my ear look like a garbage can to you?" You know, that's <laughs> that would be kind of a, kind of abrupt to say something like that. But what it, what it, what he was saying was just be careful, because the listener I think is just as guilty as the person telling it, and so we just need to be careful to try to cut it off. If you want to be a little more diplomatic than that, I think that's okay. The next one we're going to talk about is slander. So closely related to the sin of gossip is the sin of slander. Slander is making a false statement or misrepresentation about another person that defames or damages a person's reputation. We slander when we ascribe wrong motives to people even though we can't see their hearts or know their particular circumstances. Wow, that... I'm sure that there were times where I assumed their heart was this, and so I'm guilty of slander. The last one, I'll just read this definition of critical speech. Um, critical speech is negative comments about someone that may be actually true, but don't need to be said. To test ourselves, we should ask, is it kind, or does this need to be said? And so... These are uh, just things that I want to uh, have ha us to have on our radar today. And, and if we feel conviction on those things, we need to confess it. And we know our, our Lord is gracious to forgive us. And then we need to work on those. The next one we have here of the three gates for sin. And I put gates because sometimes it's like the sin's coming in and sometimes it's going out, right? 
depending on which of these we're talking about. Now we're talking about the eyes. And so the Scripture verse that we have today is says, let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. And this is, uh, uh, came right out of the ESV Study Bible. It says, the ideas that the eyes look directly forward suggest uh, resolution about remaining in the right way. Metaphorically, it suggests that when a person turns his eyes away from the path, he is apt to stumble. And I was thinking just of an analogy. Uh, we, about several years ago, we climbed Mount Winchester. I think it was Mount Winchester. And I remember Laura and Charlene were there, and I was on the way down. There was kind of a, you know, kind of a small ledge. It wasn't a real huge high mountain, but was fairly steep and on the way down I I lost my focus I remember you guys were ahead probably 50 feet I don't know if you saw this but I went boop, boop, like this and I literally could have went like a hundred feet you know and I thought man you better you know focus and start thinking you know you're gonna be rolling down that side of that hill you know about like this so but I just I just uh, thought that was a good analogy to remember um, that we need to have our eyes focused uh, and we need to, we need to be, be careful of um, what things that could be that cause us to stumble. Here we have uh, a number of Scriptures that talk about our eyes. And of course, this is the, the very how sin came into the world. We just talked about it, right? In chapter 3 of Genesis. This is the fall. And we see how the woman, it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. So this idea of a delight to the eyes is uh, just something that we need to be careful if, if sin is a delight to the eyes, then we're in trouble. And we need to be on guard for that. And this is what Job wrote, which I found to be very interesting. In Job 31.1, he writes, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? And what he was saying here was how can I look at a woman with lustful intent, right? And so he made a promise to himself that he wouldn't do that. And, and a good example that I try to keep in my mind is if I'm driving along the road and there's a woman jogging, nowadays, these jogging suits, I mean, they're skin tight and um, I don't want to bl- put it, blame, blame uh, the woman, but I'm just saying, for me, it's better for me to look straight ahead rather than to look at her and to have a lustful thought. And so it's good for us to know if that's something that is, if it's not a struggle for you, maybe you don't, that's something you never have to be concerned about. But for me, it's good to look straight ahead and then I don't have to have that concern. And we read this in Matthew. We know this is not literal, but um, it gives a, a sense of how serious sin is uh, uh, in, in relation to our eyes. It says, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than, to, than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. So that's sobering when you read that. 
Then we go on here to Luke. Uh, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Think about how much darkness can come in through our eyes. And the, the sin of pornography, every sin, like even with drinking with me, it starts out just kind of dabbling, right? And just, just think about the sin of pornography. Um, it can just start in a small way, right? It could be commercials on TV that you, that you enjoy too much, that you love it. Uh, for me, I'm pushing the remote immediately, changing the channels. But when you're addicted to something, man, it, you've got darkness. You're dealing with darkness. And if you're addicted to pornography, this is it's like your whole body is full of darkness. Now, thank, thanks be to the Lord for the Gospel. We can confess it. And we can be forgiven. But that doesn't mean that addiction is broken easily. This might be a lifelong struggle for some people. So I would just caution us um, I was thinking of a little song, children's song, be careful little eyes what you see, right? I mean, uh, that's, uh, we kind of think that's a cute little children's song, but it's pretty effective, right? Uh, let's go on here in Philippians, and this is kind of back to the verse of, of staying focused. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, Press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So when we focus straight ahead, uh, we want to be focusing on Jesus. And, and Paul talks about this prize of the upward calling, and I think he's referring to the reward even. So think about that. That's okay to think about. God has a reward. And I'm, hope, I'm hoping to be faithful to my last breath, and, and I'm focusing on Jesus, but I know that there is a reward for me, and I don't know how big that reward is going to be, but, but that's okay for me to, uh, to in a sense, be uh, looking forward to that as well. So, this is the second to the last verse. Uh, this was a Amazing verse too, talking about our feet. And I kind of debated whether I could almost put down our mind because the very first word says, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. And so, uh, we have to, when we're pondering something, we have to use our mind, right? And uh, that my example about coming down the mountain, well, I was my mind, who knows where my mind was, but I wasn't thinking at all about tripping or falling, but I think that we just need to think about the dangers in our life and uh, just to be on guard. And, and another way to say all your ways will be sure, you could say all your ways will be firm, right? And so we need to really um, think about how much sin could be avoided if we would just take the time to pray about something, right? Rather than just with your foot jump into the next thing, right? Um, or we would just take enough time to ponder, what does the Bible say about this decision? And so, this is something that we really need to focus on in our lives. <clears throat> 
And so I thought, I'll just, we're not going to read the Scriptures, but I'll just share these few examples from Scripture. Good and bad examples of people uh, thinking it over or pondering, right? So we have uh, Joseph and Potiphar's wife. If you know the story, uh, Potiphar's wife wanted to get him in bed with him. And Joseph kept saying no. And so Joseph made a good decision. He says in the Word that he... He said, how could I do this against my master who would put him in charge of all his uh, business and possessions? And how could I do this against him? And how could I do this wickedness against the Lord? He says. So he had thought of those two things. And he said, no, no, he wouldn't do it. And then Daniel, um, and eating at the king's table. This is an amazing story to just to, to study and to consider. Um, and I didn't dig into it a lot, but uh, so he could have ate at the king's table in Babylon, which had, you can imagine, had every kind of food and wine and all that. But, but I believe that the key reason he didn't is he didn't want to be polluted by that culture. And uh, this is something that we can surely apply today. Um, be on your guard that you're not polluted by the culture. You know, Daniel was willing to say no. Just I don't need all that, that food and wine and all that because I don't want to be sucked in to that Babylonian culture. And so if there are things in our world, um, I could think of an example just that pops in my head about um, uh, somebody I heard who was having a bachelor party. Okay, Now, there's nothing wrong with having a bachelor party and really having a party. But if, if, if you're drinking too much, if you're watching movies that are uh, R-rated movies, what are you doing as a Christian? You are, you are sucked in by the culture as, as, as bad as Babylon could ever be in my mind. And so I just think these are, that's just one example, but just be on our guard that we don't get sucked in to whatever the culture says is normal. Bachelor parties do these kind of things. No. Not for a Christian, we don't. And then there were two examples I have here that are somebody who pondered and thought things over, but really made bad decisions, sinful decisions. Peter, he denied Jesus three times rather than trusting the Lord uh, to save his own skin. Um, he denied Jesus. But the beautiful thing is, is that he was forgiven. And God built His church. I mean, this, this, you know, if you're feeling discouraged and about your sin, we should be encouraged that how, how God and Peter, uh, Jesus said, I prayed for you, Peter. Wow. That's just, that's so beautiful to see even when we fall and fail and sin that Jesus would pray for us. And then the last one there, David, he flees from Saul and he lives with the enemy. He lives with the Philistines. Rather than trusting in the Lord, he lives with the enemy. And uh, I won't go into all the, the, the consequences of that. But um, we've come to our last verse here in our Scripture today. And it's kind of uh, similar to the other verse about staying straight ahead. But it says, Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. And so... I have just a couple verses here <clears throat> that build this out a little bit more. And uh, the first one here out of Proverbs 3, 7, it says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. 
Wow, this is a powerful verse. And this is why we need God's Word. Uh, we need Scripture. We need other believers. Um, I so appreciate Pastor. I've gone to, up to Pastor a few times and said about this situation, what do you think I should do? Because it's not always sometimes so clear. And so uh, when we're in danger, when we say, I know it all, right? That's the danger, right? When you're wise in your own eyes. And then uh, Proverbs 16, 17, it says, The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. And so, as I shared earlier, uh, we want to cultivate more of a love for God. This is We're talking about guarding our hearts, right? And so, just keep this in view. Cultivate a love for God and a hatred for sin. And ask God to help you in, in your walk with the Lord. And we're all on this journey together. Um, we all have our own weaknesses and struggles, but spend a little time reflecting. Um, and, and if you need to, maybe ask your spouse or somebody who knows you, uh, you know, what are my weaknesses if, if it's unclear? Or when you hear pastor preach next week, um, maybe you'll feel convicted of certain sin that you've been ignoring and let the Lord help you to confess it and to turn from it. So with that, uh, let's close in prayer and the worship team can come on up. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we just need Your help to guard our hearts. And we just pray that we would use Your Word, Lord, that we would guard our hearts Help us to love You more and hate our sin more, Lord. Help us to turn away from our sin. Help us to, to take our sin seriously. Lord, we're so grateful for this life that You give us, Lord. Truly, You have given us so many blessings, so many joys, so many uh, rich things to enjoy that we ought not... Uh, to look anywhere else but to look to You and to be thankful to You, the Giver of all these amazing gifts. Thank You, Lord, for this morning. We just uh, ask Your blessing now on our closing song. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.